Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. On Tuesday, November the 8th, US voters go to the polls in what could be one of the most contested and contentious midterm elections in recent history. We turn now to the high-stakes midterm. The balance of power on Capitol Hill is at stake. Democrats come into this with control of both chambers, but barely. I mean, take a look at this. 50-50 in the Senate. Remember, Kamala Harris as the vice president breaks the tie for the Democrats right now. Democrats also hold the majority in the House of Representatives. The party controls 221 seats versus Republicans 212. It means the Republicans, if they can just pick up five seats in the House, Republicans would flip it and would have control of it. We're getting closer and closer and closer to election day, and it seems like things are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. The Democrats, who hold a wafer-thin margin, are in a battle for control of Congress with the Republicans in a race that could decide the political landscape for years to come. So I sat down with my colleague and economist, George Brown, to find out more about the US midterms, what they are, why they're so important, who might win, and what it might mean for markets and the economy. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, you're listening to the Investor Download. Uh, George, welcome to the show. First time on. Thank you very much for having me. We're going to be talking about the US midterms. Now, for listeners, I just want to make clear, we're not going to go right down deep into the weeds on this one, uh, are the pros and cons of individual contenders and who might win which state and why. There are plenty of other podcasts out there that can do that far better than us. And quite frankly, we really don't have time. But what we will do is we're going to highlight the potential swing states, uh, the people we should keep an eye on. Uh, But otherwise, this will be a helicopter view of the midterms and why they're important for investors. George, why are the midterms so important? Yeah, so from a legislative perspective, obviously it matters for the president to to have control of Congress in order to pass uh, their agenda, their legislation. So uh, if the president doesn't manage to do well, which they often don't in midterms, that is uh, a complicating factor in in the sense that they can't pass the legislation that they, they want. Why do we have midterms? Well, uh, so in the House of Representatives, um, the, the the term of uh, someone in office is is two years. So there needs to be an election every two years anyway for them. Uh, in terms of the Senate, we we tend to get uh, we have three classes of senators, uh, class one, two, and three, and um, they are they go through the election stage in those two year periods as well. So we're actually seeing. Uh, all 435 seats of the House of Representatives being elected, but also about one third of the Senate, uh, 35 seats to be exact. Okay, so not all of the Senate seats are up for grabs. That's right, yes. Okay, Um, so how are they decided? How are the midterms decided? Well, it's, uh, for the most part, uh, it's uh, first past the post, so uh, whichever candidate gets the most votes will win the um, the seat, whether it's in the House or the Senate, and um, you know that's done at, at various levels. But it's a it's a fairly simple process. It's it's just trying to get the popular vote in your in your area essentially. Does the electoral college play a factor in the midterms like it does in the main presidential elect- election? No, it doesn't. the The electoral co- college is just for the uh, the presidential elections. Okay, and so what are the key issues that might be swinging voters at this moment in time? Well, if we look at the various polls, the number one uh, issue for voters is the economy, uh, in particular 
particularly inflation at the moment. The cost of everything is up. Inflation has surged to levels we haven't seen in four decades. 8.6% year over year. You have to go to 1982 to find a higher number. With higher prices on food to gas to rent, inflation impacts everyone. Everything is getting more expensive. And so that's a message that the Republicans are really trying to land quite hard with voters, and that is... Uh, that is going some way. Uh, the number two issue in the midterms is on abortion. There is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. The Supreme Court has essentially reshaped American life. It's going to be legal chaos. Where abortion is legal in about half the states, illegal in half the states. And because... Um, Earlier on this year, we had the Supreme Court, which is now conservative-leaning. They um, revoked or uh, Roe versus Wade, so the sort of constitutional right to federal access to abortion. And so the Democrats have made that very much part of their messaging. So these are the two sort of key um, issues at play with the midterms. But, I mean, there are other things as well. Crime is also pretty high up on the agenda. I mean, we see the violent crime exploding. Uh, several factors here. First... The war on law enforcement, defund the police, the general disrespect for law enforcement in this country being propagated by those on the left. You have no cash bail systems. We have people that are pushing other people in front of subway trains in New York City, and then they're back out on the street before the paperwork's even done. You know, we see rising crime rates in just about every major city across the country and the, and the nation as a whole. And I see, I don't see it abating anytime soon until we fundamentally flip the script and, and, and start looking at this a little differently as is uh, immigration. And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is taking credit for flying two planes carrying dozens of migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Florida state lawmakers set aside $12 million as part of a program to transport migrants to states like New York and California, which DeSantis refers to as sanctuary states. Yeah, I was reading a New York uh, Times poll recently, and since the summer, the importance of democracy, abortion and gun violence with voters has fallen to 14% from 26%. So they're the, they're the issues that matter mainly for Democrats or more to Democrats. Uh, while economy, immigration and crime, uh, those issues uh, and the importance to voters is up to 50% from 38%. So that tends to suggest that with those issues coming to the fore, Republicans might have some, some kind of momentum. Yes, so I, I would say with the Democrats, um, of course, it's, it's been quite easy from the Republican side to sort of say, well, uh, look at the inflation picture at the moment. A lot of that we can lie at the, the door of the White House and, of course, uh, Joe Biden. And so um, given that that's such a big topic amongst all voters, no matter what sort of side you fall on, um, that is very much worked against the Democrats, given that obviously they um, have control of both the Senate and the House of Representatives, as well as, of course, the, the White House. So, yeah. Those are what the midterms are and the key issues that are on voters' minds. But uh, what are the potential outcomes for the midterm elections? That's coming up in part two of the show. Get in touch with us by email at shorterspodcasts at shorters.com or visit our website, shorters.com forward slash investor download. So we know the factors voters are most concerned with, but what are the polls telling us about what might happen? So, George, what's the most likely outcome of these midterm elections? Well, it's it's an interesting question because two weeks ago, um, I could have said to you, it's probably going to be a divided Congress. So the House is going to flip to the Republicans, but perhaps the Democrats will cling on. Now, 
the the polls have very much narrowed in the past two weeks. So I would say it's 50-50 between either a divided Congress or actually the Republicans taking both the House and the Senate. Okay, and again, that's going back to the factors that we were talking about in the first part of the show. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So um, the, the the various factors have been at play in terms of that abortion versus inflation debate. But more recently, the Republicans have hardened their stance on issues such as crime and immigration. And that is helping them to win some of the kind of marginal sort of voters in, in some of the battleground states. And that is uh, giving them a bit of an advantage uh, as we enter the final stages of the contest. Are there any key states that investors should be keeping an eye on in the election? Yeah, so from the Senate's perspective, there are three key races. Uh, Number one, without a doubt, is Georgia. This morning, a new report about the woman who accuses Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker of paying for her abortion. The former NFL star running as a Republican anti-abortion candidate is locked in a tight race with Georgia's Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock. Uh, Number two will be Pennsylvania. We're going to begin, though, in Pennsylvania with a Senate race that's got huge implications for the country and which party has power in Washington. But with early voting already underway, John Fetterman's health was also a topic. Let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And then my number three would be Nevada. In a lot of Senate races, we've seen Democrats make some gains in some of these crucial battleground states. In Nevada, though, the polls are showing that Senator Catherine Cortez Masto may be the most endangered Democratic incumbent. It increasingly looks like the road to a Republican Senate majority runs through Nevada. And the reason is simple. Economic pain runs deep in this state. Okay, so let's start with a divided Congress. Let's say that happens. What does that mean politically? So politically, a divided Congress would mean that uh, Biden would really struggle to get through any of his legislative agenda. And so what you would get is a lot of policy inertia. The um, Anything that was introduced by the Democrats, if it were partisan in nature, uh, re- the Republicans wouldn't go for it in the House. So effectively, it would mean that Biden's sort of build back better agenda uh, is effectively finished. Well, so the economy could be stuck going nowhere, essentially. Well, um, in in some senses, yes. In some senses, no. I think um, if push came to shove and the the US economy was in a recession, as as the the team at Schroeder's do anticipate, uh, there will be some leeway for bipartisan kind of legislation in order to support the economy. But I think you're right in the sense that any kind of broader, uh, non-specific legislation relating to the fiscal stance is is probably unlikely. Let's take the second scenario, that the Republicans uh, do make a clean sweep. What does that mean politically? Yeah, well, it's from a legislative perspective, again, it doesn't really change the dial because at the end of the day, unless the Republicans can get a two-thirds supermajority in both the House and the Senate, they won't be able to pass any legislation of a partisan uh, nature because uh, President Joe Biden will be able to veto them. So um, as a consequence, you do just get largely policy inertia. But the uh, interesting thing from from market perspective, I think, is that if you get such an outcome, it does question uh, Biden's chances of securing the next uh, nomination as, uh, for the Democratic Party in the next presidential election. Uh, and even if he does get it, whether or not he might even succeed in winning a second term. Okay, we'll get on to the effect that the midterms might have on markets in a second. I just want to go to that final scenario. Let's say the, the Democrats do somehow keep control of both uh, both the House and the Senate. What does that mean politically? 
Yeah, I mean, that would be a real surprise for markets. I think in the in the near term, we do see some downside. But um, at the end of the day, we still don't think it'll shift the dial that much because of the last two years, what Biden has struggled to do is enact his legislation because he's got such a narrow control over both the Senate and the House. And under the scenario you're suggesting, unless we got some sort of huge swing in the House and indeed in the Senate, uh, which we think is pretty unlikely. So if they pick up a couple of seats, let's say either side or don't lose any, he's still going to have the same issue in the sense that he's got a very slim majority and as a consequence will struggle to still pass further legislation. Okay, so that's what the likely outcomes are uh, for the election. In the final part of the show, uh, we're going to have a look at what it might mean for markets. So the big question is midterms. Does it matter for markets? They absolutely do. So um, our analysis suggests that, you know, after the midterms, if we get a, a president with a divided Congress, let's say, we can see the S&P 500 seeing annualised returns of 12.9%. And if you compare that to a Democratic president who's got control of both chambers, that's a more muted 6.7%. So from a market perspective, it definitely matters. And the reason is because, as we were discussing, you do get a policy inertia. There's a lack of legislation. So it gives companies and investors a much clearer run at the uh, in the years to come. And is this anything that investors should take notice of short term or is it purely a long term thing? It's 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 more for the next two years. So, of course, in the next two years, we'll have more elections and such. The, the Senate and the House might flip and, of course, the White House might change hands. So it's it's something that matters for the next two years. Beyond that, um, it really depends on what the political environment is going into the next election. Yeah, I was going to say, is the presidential race far more important than the midterms in terms of markets? I think it does. I think it matters who is going to be in the White House. Um, so, of course, you know, there's a lot of question marks over whether Trump is going to run again, uh, whether he'll even secure the Republican nomination. But that would be um, obviously a key moment for markets, given that we did see pretty robust uh, returns in the S&P 500 under Trump. But investors also had to contend with rather choppy markets in the sense that we had a lot of hardline rhetoric from him. We had a lot of criticism from the Fed. So on the one hand, you do have the potential for pretty strong returns in markets, but at the same time, you're going to have a lot of volatility in the interim period. And whomever's probably going to be in two years' time is going to be dealing with a completely different economic environment than they were two years ago, for instance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we do think that inflation is going to start coming down and that, uh, like I say, we do we do expect we'll get a recession in the next year. But in two years time, uh, it will look a little bit different. And of course, the sort of question marks on voters' minds will be very different. And as such, the sort of legislation that uh, politicians are looking to enact will be very different as a consequence. Just out of curiosity, do we know what the betting markets are saying about whether Trump runs or not? So in terms of the winner of the next election, the odds are in on Betfair are about 25% for Donald Trump. Uh, the reason it's not higher is because there's still, still some uncertainty as to whether or not he will run and also whether or not he'll actually get the Republican nomination. And the, the key stumbling block to that would be Ron DeSantis, the, um, the governor for the state of Florida. And he's seen as a key political rival of uh, Donald Trump. And so Donald Trump's 25% for the next election. Ron DeSantis is 24%. So neck and neck. (laughs) 
Here's what else investors are talking about. China, the world's second largest economy. It's facing a number of serious challenges, both at home and abroad, including its zero COVID policy and trade tensions with the US. And in late October, China's ruling Communist Party unveiled the composition of the 20th Politburo Standing Committee at its five yearly Congress, with Xi Jinping confirmed for an historic third five-year term as president. As China's leader cements his power within the party and maintains the zero COVID policy, Schroeder's experts examine what it means for investors. You can read China, what now for investors at schroeders.com forward slash insights, where you can read, watch and listen to much, much more. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroders Podcast at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investment.